Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by MyBookie. You know, guys, we are getting into the summer months. There's a lot of baseball being, you know, left to be played. We're we're down to the Stanley Cup finals between St. Louis and Boston. And we got half of the NBA finals decided with Toronto and Milwaukee uh, set to duke it out to decide who was going to meet the Warriors uh, in the finals. And if you want to get in on the action, the best place to go is my bookie. Between their in-game live betting, the endless props and fantasy sports wagers, there's something for everybody to get in on with the best player perks in the sports book business. They've been good to us and we know they'll be good to you. And they are hooking up my listeners all month. Once again, visit mybookie.ag and use the promo code BEARS100 when creating your account to claim your 50% sign-up bonus. Laying down 100, now you've got 150 in play. That's mybookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G, promo code BEARS100. Mybookie, you play, you win, you get paid. The episode is also brought to you by SeatGeek. Let SeatGeek take the confusion out of your ticket-buying experience Instead of shopping from dozens of sites to find the best deal, let SeatGeek do the work for you. Their app scans the web for the best deals to your favorite game, concert, or show and rates them on a scale of 0 to 10 to let you know if you're getting the best bang for your buck. Use promo code ACAA as an armchair All-Americans at checkout to receive $20 off your first purchase. That is four hot dogs or two beers if you are so inclined. It's Half a program when I went to see Kiss in March is forty bucks for a for a program because I'm not a t-shirt guy. I I got a program forty bucks for a program. So half off that program is on SeatGeek. That's promo code ACAA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets, and this episode is the top one hundred Bears uh, of all time list that was has been released periodically. Uh, throughout the uh, throughout the week, ranking the 100 best players in the history of our beloved franchise, and um, this episode is dedicated to why I think that list uh, is a mistake. Eric Lambert from SportsMockery.com will be joining me to have uh, this interesting discussion uh, about the list and what I think the Bears should have done uh, in, al- in as an alternative uh, to the list. So, uh, great conversation between myself. And Eric, so let's go ahead and get right to it. Myself and Eric Lambert from SportsMockery.com talking about the top 100 Bears of all time list and why it was a mistake. As the month of May winds down to a close, uh, we are getting ever so close to the start of training camp and the regular season, but we've got a few pit stops on the way between now and then, and we really get things kicked off uh, later next week uh, with our opponent preview, starting with our same place opponents in New Orleans and the Rams, and we move on to the AFC West, the NFC East, and our NFC North. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for the top 100 Bears of all time and why that list was a mistake, and, and I'll get further into that when our guest Eric Lambert joins us here from sportsmockery.com in just a few moments. Um, but I just wanted to give a little context on, on, the, uh, on the list and, and, and why I felt compelled, other than the fact that literally every other Bears podcast out there was jumping on this list and, and, and giving their uh, opinions uh, and such. And uh, I'm, I'm very grateful that Eric was able to come on last minute to, uh, to help me out uh, with the episode because... Um, as I told him when we finished, um, when I was thanking him for being on the show, was that this really was more of a discussion piece. Is that this was not an episode that I wanted to do uh, alone and, and just speak to speak speak myself on 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 my opinions of the one hundred and and uh, the alternative that I present to Eric and that we talk about uh, throughout the um, the interview uh, and such. It really was something that I wanted to bounce off to somebody and get their real time opinion. 
uh, on the list and their thoughts on it and their thoughts on my idea. And that was the other thing that kind of uh, pressed me into duty on getting this episode done uh, ASAP because I'm not usually in the habit of releasing episodes on a Saturday. Um, But um, it's an idea that I haven't heard anybody else present yet when it comes to this list. So I wanted to to get it out there and, and see how people would respond uh, to my idea. So um, I uh, just wanted to jump in real quick and, and, and talk about uh, the, the, you know, what, what made me uh, want to jump on the, uh, on this opportunity to, to, to an episode about the list and not to mention, you know, the fact that it is a pretty interesting list. It is a discussion piece. Eric and I talk about that, that if nothing else, it gets people talking. Uh, and like I said, the proof is in the pudding myself and literally every other bears podcast that I listen to or, or keep track of, or keep an eye on, on Twitter, or, or actually listening to the episode and good our including our good friend, Lauren Cox from locked on bears is doing an episode or at least a segment dedicated, uh, to this list to, to give their opinion and their take on it. It's just too big of a topic to, uh, to ignore. So I had to step in and, and before we get rolling with our opponent preview episodes, uh, next week this was something that i had to uh that i had to uh address and so i'm um, gonna go ahead and step aside now and come back after uh the interview got a few news and notes about the otas and and things like that and then we'll wrap up the show but here we are myself eric lambert sportsmockery.com the interview the bears top 100 list So 2019 is the 100th season of not only NFL football, but Chicago Bear football with being a charter franchise. And the Bears are, are releasing a centennial scrapbook is what they're calling it. And part of that centennial scrapbook is the uh, ranking of the top 100 players in the history uh, of the uh, uh, franchise. And uh, they've been releasing it incrementally over over the week in, in, in bunches of, of 25 to kind of show who, who in franchise history makes the cut and how they rank, according to uh, uh, Dan Pompey and, and one other uh, writer. We'll, we'll ask my guest here in just a moment if he remembers who it is. But back to help us out and, and, and talk about this list and, and uh, our take on it. Uh, from SportsMockery.com, uh, Eric Lambert. Eric, thanks so much for coming back, man. Always a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. So, Eric, you um, have been, you know, uh, releasing articles on Sports Mockery, talking about the, the list. You, you, uh, you did it for every 25 uh, players that was list. Those were the bunches that the players were uh, released in. What was your take on, on the list as you saw it come out piece by piece? Well, it's, it's one of those things, rankings of any kind, be it, you know, top 100 players, top 100 draft picks in any sport, really you're going to have controversy. There's going to be guys who are ranked too high in some people's minds. There's going to be guys who are ranked too low. There's going to be guys who aren't ranked at all, who people should think should be on the list. And, you know, it's the same with anything like that. So there was going to be controversy, but I don't think anyone's going to debate, you know, the two guys at the top because, you know, they richly deserve those spots because they really were that great. And there's going to be other guys who probably fit in right where they are. And, you know, it's a good spot for them, too. So there's going to be good. There's going to be bad. And there's always going to be room for debate. Yeah. And I think the the debate really gets clouded because one of the one of the the benefits or actually actually one of the curses if you will uh, of the bears being a a charter franchise a long tenured 100 season franchise is that there are a lot of names on this list that even the most diehard bear fans don't know very true i mean people forget that this team goes back so so far right. i mean including more recent players. I mean, everyone talks about the 1980s with those great players, and then, you know, the more recent 2000s with Erlacher and his crew, and even a few of the new guys we have right now. People usually, the younger fans expect those guys, but they don't realize that there were many, many great players way before them. You know, you, you look back to the 1920s with Red Grange, the 1930s and 40s with Sid Luckman and all them. I mean, it goes back a long, long way, and accounting for all of those guys is actually really tough because the information available on the wider internet on them isn't as prevalent as the more recent players so it's one of those things that's difficult to balance 
Right, and I, and I think that's where some of the controversy comes in. I mean, not even so much ranking where the where the modern day players went. Like I'm 41, so there's a, a, my my lifetime. A lot of players uh, are on this list, but even still, that's 60 years of bear history that I wasn't around for. And there are a lot of names on this list that, even for someone like me who is what I would like to call myself an amateur. Uh, historian uh, you know there are a lot of names from the 20s 30s and 40s that I do know but there are a lot of names on this list that I've never heard of uh, uh, before and and you know you can imagine someone who's half my age in his 20s and own and, and thinks that Erlacher is an old guy or something like that uh, <laughs> you know imagine him trying to wrap his head around uh, you know uh, Patty Driscoll or, or somebody like that that played in the 30s. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that's always a challenge. But I think what Dan Pompey and uh, Don Pearson was the, Don guys, Pearson. the other guy's name, just they're both Hall of Fame writers. So these guys, you know, are richly educated on Bears history, NFL history in general. And so they know these guys. They, they had a chance to not only watch some of their old tape, but, you know, they have access to certain things that the wider fan bases don't. So their job going into this wasn't just to include those guys on the list, but to try and educate the younger generation about some of these guys and how great they actually were. And sometimes they're getting overlooked for how great they were. So I understand why a lot of these older guys were included because it was a really good opportunity to educate the younger fans about how good the bears legacy actually is and how far back it goes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that uh, at times can be difficult to wrap your, head around to think that the bears have existed as long as pro football has um it, it's it's uh, and there's aside from the packers who are actually not officially part of the nfl in 1920 when the league began there is no other team that can claim that and uh you know for the the bears to have 100 years of of history they're also kind of hamstrung by the fact trying to narrow it down to the top 100 players and and, and and my take on this whole thing, uh, Eric, was that this 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 was a losing battle from the beginning. Before they ranked player number one hundred, they were already losing, and and it just uh, it, it's something that I thought was was kind of a frivolous uh, endeavor, you know, that 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 they would even attempt uh, uh, something like this. Because as you and I spoke briefly before we started uh, recording, or you know, I it just there's going to be controversy in uh, no matter what you do. Uh, with a list uh, like this and it just uh, I mean like it's been mentioned you know before the, the 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 number of names on this list that most people won't recognize and yet he's being ranked ahead of players that you know that you've seen and that you you know you admire and it's like well he was he has to be better than that guy I've never even heard of this one without question I mean it's it's one of those situations where you're you're comparing apples and oranges you you look back the old days, those players played two ways. They played a different style of game. The forward pass wasn't as prevalent right. and all that stuff. So cornerbacks didn't have to work as hard in that regard. And then you look, forward to the, you look forward to today where it's a much more specialized game. Each guy has a specific role, and they play that role. So, And they're different types of athletes, too. Guys back, I mean, offensive tackles back in the 40s and 50s were like 240, 250 pounds. And now you're looking at guys who are like 320, 330. So it's a very different game. So I would have, me personally, I would have sort of split it between the Super Bowl era and the previous era, like from the 30s through the 60s, and then from 1970 when the merger happened all the way through to today, because those lists would be a little easier to stomach because more modern fans would understand it. But that's just my theory. But otherwise... As far as the top 100 goes, you know, it's more for entertainment purposes rather than establishing an actual list of the 100 greatest Bears ever. That's why they wrote it, because they wanted to, you know, run through Bears history again as part of the 100-year celebration. So I understand why they did it, but I don't think they were going into this actually trying to establish the 100 greatest Bears ever as an official thing. Right, and you talk about entertainment purposes, and 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 those of us that uh, that work our way in the in the podcasting world talk about entertainment because every bear podcast I've come across has dedicated an episode to, or at least a segment to this list. So I mean, it is something that is in the in the mouths of everyone that is doing a podcast like mine 
Uh, you know, anyone who's a Bears fan or, you know, maybe even people who are, are NFL fans are talking about a top 100 list for the uh, Chicago Bears right now. And maybe that was the point of it all. Oh, without question. I mean, people love debating this sort of stuff. It, it, it's one of those fun things you can argue about and not feel too bad about it. It's nothing bad. You know, you're talking about your favorite players of all time, and you want to talk about how much you love this guy, and you don't think that guy deserves as much credit as he got because that sort of debate is what makes this game so much fun to watch and so much fun to follow. So that's the reason we follow lists like this is because we love getting into those fun little debates from time to time. Right. And and here, you know, my my theory or, or, or on uh, my suggestion on, on what probably would have been a better way to go uh, is very similar to yours, but a bat, actually a bit more detailed uh, than yours. Not to just split it up in, into non-Super Bowl and Super Bowl era, but uh, if you remember back in, in 94 when the NFL was celebrating its 75th anniversary, they released a book called 75 Seasons. And in the book, 75 seasons, they had all decade teams. They had a 20s team, a 30s team, a 40 teams, and, and so on into the 90s as the book was released in 1994. And um, the Bears are one of uh, maybe two teams, if you want to count Green Bay, that have the ability to do something like that in a 100-year history. You can have a 20s team, a 30s team, and, and not only does that – keep the players within their own era but it also you know number one it eliminates the ranking so maybe it takes the maybe that like we've been talking about just maybe that kind of takes some of the fun out of it but it also eliminates the ranking so you're not putting this player ahead of that one and it also kind of opens the book to acknowledge more players um, for their specific era and the time that they were actually on the team as opposed to trying to say or, or to make a modern-day person believe that uh, George Blanda should rank higher on this list than Willie Galt should? Uh, judging, by, judging by, I mean, the, the first thought that entered my mind about your suggestion was you would be able to explore a little bit deeper into those eras and bring up guys who, who would never make the top 100 list but really made great contributions to the team. So, uh, you know, that's something I would actually support a lot because, you know, we we, we have all-decade teams for the wider NFL, yeah. and the, the, there have been Bears who have been on those teams. But having team-specific all-decade teams, that that's something that you don't actually see too often. So that's, that's actually not a bad idea. I think that would be uh, well-received by Bears fans, give you an idea of, you know, each era and just how many great players and really good players who get overlooked there were that came through the organization. Yeah, and and the, you know, like I said, it it opens up the book to a lot more more players being recognized, especially when you get into the '60s and '70s and beyond. Because in the '60s is kind of when everything started getting specialized as far as being offense defense. In the '20s, '30s, '40s, and '50s, it was very common for someone to play both ways. So maybe you don't get to name 22 players on each of the of those teams back in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, but you're still opening up to a lot more players than would be recognized by trying to narrow down a 100-year history into just 100 players. Exactly, and, and that's, the, that's the entire point. You know, one of the controversies was how many guys got left off the top 100 list, whereas with your idea, you know, they absolutely would have been recognized in the all-decade fashion. Like Thomas Jones was a yes. big one that people were shocked didn't make the list. So, you know, he absolutely would have been included on the 2000s team. He was not only a fantastic running back, but a great team leader who everybody, you know, couldn't say enough great things about. So, you know, he would have received immediate recognition along with Matt Forte as well. So, you know, it's just one of those things where you're trying to get as many great players included in the legacy as you can. Right. And, and you know, I, I think back to one of my favorite players in the 90s, you know, maybe he's not top 100, but he certainly would have made the 90s team. A guy like a Chris Zorich uh, would have probably uh -huh. made like an all 90s uh, team. You know, the guy just had an endless motor. One of his teammates that he played side by side with, Trace Armstrong, made the list at 98. Uh, you know, yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm he, a big Armstrong fan. Yeah, so was I. I love that guy. He was fan. He was a beast of a man too. You forget. You know, back back then, when you know when you're young, you don't pay attention to those kind of things. But you see, Trace Armstrong, the guy was a monster. Um, oh yeah, but I, I'm still shocked they let him go. Oh yeah, 
<laughs> they traded him too. So it's, yeah, it's that's crazy. Yeah, thing. I couldn't believe that when I when I read about it. I'm like, I can't believe they traded that guy, especially with how much success he had afterwards. So yeah. it's just one of those things where I'm like, man, what could have been? Yeah, exactly. So I mean, but it's like you look at that. And 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 maybe a guy like even though he was only on the team a couple of years, maybe a Jeff Graham makes the makes the the list in the in the nineties. Who would the quarterback of oh, the nineties? Who would the quarterback of the nineties had been? Would it have been Eric Kramer? Would it have been, uh, you know, someone else? Maybe a Shane Matthews or, or something like that oh, to make an all day uh, all decade team in the nineties when the Bears <laughs> weren't so hot. I mean, we we lost Ditka in ninety two. And the rest of the decade is not one playoff appearance in the '90s or, or two if you want to count '91 when the Bears went the first time with Ditka. But you know they went in '94, right? Yeah, they went in '91 with with the that was the last trip with Ditka, and then again in '94 was the only trip with Wanstat, and then after that, yep, no more trips to the playoffs until the the swan song for Dick Duran in 2001. So it was uh <laughs> the 90s was a tough decade to get through especially after we let Ditka go. So um but I mean there's an interesting decade to talk about like who would have made the team uh you know back in the uh in the 90s. Like would you consider Neil Anderson an 80s back or a 90s back? And that's where I guess the conversation could get exciting because Anderson was drafted in 86 before Sweetness retired but really made his impact in the 90s so does he make the 80s and 90s team you know that's an interesting discussion to have for for guys that kind of folded into a different um into a different decade yeah that's that's when stuff like that gets the most fun because would you consider Walter Payton a 70s back or an 80s back it's the same concept only a decade earlier right. because you know he had his greatest season in in the 70s but he actually played more in the 80s so it's one of those things like man this is actually tougher than you might think so yeah. it's one of those fun deals where you know a guy might actually end up on two lists because he was just that damn good right whereas you know otherwise guys might not make it this decade but would because they made their contributions more in one area or another so it's one of those fun things that you get to do your research and you know weigh the pros cons all that sort of stuff it's one of the great things that about being a fan and a researcher yeah absolutely and, and like i said I, I consider myself for for a while there like an amateur uh historian when it comes to things with the bears and the league and and things like that and and when that 75 seasons came out back in 94, it was the number one thing on my Christmas list that year. That was the one thing I absolutely <laughs> had to have. I will burn this house to the ground if I look under that tree and that 75 seasons book isn't there. I read that thing cover to cover at least three or four times uh, when I finally got my hands on it. And one of my favorite things about it was those all decade teams the teams that you know the all 80s team the all 70s team and right you know and and they and it fit the perfect context because then you don't have to blend the era eras and try to convince me that a guy in the 30s was better than a football player that played in the 80s or that you know ranking someone ahead of Richard Dent seems kind of silly to me when you know he if he played in your era he probably would have destroyed everyone on the field uh kind of thing right. just just the whole bigger stronger faster uh, thing I, I I don't know that how many exceptions there would be to take someone from the 30s and plant them in today's NFL and, and see them succeed uh, uh, at all. I mean, you had to be a different kind of a person uh, to play football back in the 30s when there were no when your helmet wasn't was a leather flap essentially. You didn't wear pads. <laughs> there were essentially no rules to the game. You you know eye gouges and elbows to the face, and it was a much more physically violent game and, and and things like that back then but could a guy like that succeed in today's nfl as far as just the athleticism and things like that that's where i kind of run into problems with the ranking of this list and then probably why you know like even though we're having this fun discussion about it why something like this probably shouldn't have been attempted in the first place oh absolutely i mean you could probably pick and choose certain guys from, you know, the thirties or forties who would have succeeded just fine. Bronco Nagurski probably would have done just fine yeah. in the modern era because he was a physical freak of nature. So you can pick and choose certain guys, but yeah, in general, athletes of the olden days are just not the same as athletes of today. It's much more, you know, scientific and, you know, nutrition, all that sort of stuff wasn't a thing back then. So, 
you really can't, you know, compare the two because it's just not not fair because right. they didn't have the advantages the guys of today have. So I, I completely understand why including all of them in the top 100 is a daunting task and probably an, an ill-advised one. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, just looking at the the list, I mean, when you get into the the top 10, you know, you have a guy like uh, like Sid Luckman at number four was the, the the quarterback of the great 40s teams when the Bears were the Patriots, essentially. They won four championships in the 1940s alone. Bronco Nagurski, number three on that list, played on a lot of those 40s teams and championship teams in the 30s uh, as well. And, and, you know, but we're supposed to rank them ahead of guys, Dan Hampton, Richard Dent, Jimbo Covert, so on and, and so forth. It, it's It's a tough pill to swallow, uh, just on the face of it, when you look at the eras those uh, those players uh, played in, and that's what gave me the idea of, you know, if you told me that that Bronco Nagurski was on the All Thirties team or the All Forties team, uh, things like that, and f- put him in the era in which he played, like you said, it's a much easier pill to swallow than trying to tell me that Bronco Nagurski was a better football player than than anyone on the eighty five team or or anything like that. Absolutely, I mean. When when you look at it all the way, I mean, you, you keep in mind that most of the guys in like the top seventeen are all Hall of Famers. So, yeah. I think they I think they kind of cheated a little bit with this list. They just basically kept most of the top spots for Hall of Fame guys, rather than offering a chance to really give some recognition to guys who maybe should be in the Hall of Fame but aren't for one reason or another. I mean, one of the great things, I personally agree with Sid Luckman being as high as he is because what he was able to do back then with the rules they had was actually extremely impressive in terms of his accuracy, how many touchdowns he threw. And that team, you know, they won four championships in the midst of World War II. People don't realize how special that Bears team actually was. Yeah. So it's great to see it get some recognition like that, but in general – I, I do agree that some guys who were from the olden days are probably ranked a little higher than they should be just because they're in the Hall of Fame and they were a part of, you know, the deeper legacy of the franchise. And that was something that I kind of noticed when I was going through the list, especially when I was looking at it through the Bears uh, website, was was seeing that the eras that some of these players played in, because as I've said a couple of times, some of these names I just did not, and I was like, that's, I don't know who that is, actually. I've never heard uh, of that guy. And, you know, like number 21, Joe Joe Stidihar, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. He is a Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. but, you know, I, I don't know, you know, what era that he he played in, but he's ranked ahead of Olin Krutz and Lance Briggs and, and Gary Fensick, Charles Tillman. Those are just a few of the names that he's in front of. And, you know, he's their first ever draft pick. Is that who that is? Yeah. Okay. 1936. He was their first pick. I knew Hall that was on, I knew he was on the list. I didn't, didn't just remember who's who it actually was. So this is a guy that played in the 30s and probably into the 40s uh, and such. Correct. And and you look at some of the names on the list and and you look at the tenure that they and I looked at the tenure that they were playing in and it's like I I don't know who that is, you know. God bless him. But it, he played from 59 to 65, so maybe he's on this list because he played on the last championship team in 63 kind of thing. And that's what, what I was kind of, right. when yeah. I was going through the list, I was looking at it. And it was like, oh, here's a guy played from 61 to 68. Um, he's an end. And the funny thing about looking at some of the positions, uh, it was like an end. I don't know what position that is. Is that wide receiver? Is it a defensive uh defensive end on the defensive line that kind of thing it's just like that was yeah, the like thing. flanker yeah you know it's like well flanker i know is a wide receiver but it's just his his designation was e for end like okay end of what end of the you know line of scrimmage for defensive line is that what they called a wide receiver back then you know that kind of thing there were a few guys on the list that were just ends and and you look at him right. and it's a tall, you know, white guy wearing the number 30, 36 or something like, oh, Christ, that that doesn't help me at all as far as, you know, <laughs> well, because they also didn't have position designations for numbers back then either. So, um, you know, that's, so just looking at a picture of the guy doesn't help me figure out. And basically football players were all the same size back then as well. So yeah, there's exactly. no help whatsoever. I have no I can't couldn't even tell you a position that guy played. 
So, but you know, looking at it, I think some guys are making the list because they they got credit for being on on one of the championship teams. You saw a lot of that, in my opinion, with the guys that played in the '60s that played on that last Papa Bear Hallis championship team back in um, right in '63. Yeah. So um, that's what I you know kind of noticed here and there, especially when it came to people I didn't recognize. You see the era that they played in. Oh, he was on the championship teams in the '40s. Oh, he played for for Papa Bear, and, and he was on the team when they won the title in in '63, and 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 so on uh, and so forth. And um, in, in a lot of ways, I think maybe that's why if that if this was an idea that was on the table, maybe they avoided it because the '80s team, the '80s decade team, would just be the '85 Bears. I mean, can you think of anyone that wasn't on the '85 Bears team that would have made the All '80s team? Uh, let's see. Uh, somebody who wasn't, you know, he was drafted a little too late. I would have included Donnell Warford, but he's be, he'd be on the nineties team. So yeah, cause he was drafted um, in like 89 or something like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, man, I, I really can't think of anybody who was drafted like early or late who was in the decade long enough yeah. to have an impact on the team but still be on the list. So, honestly, off the top of my head, I really can't. I'd have to do some research on that. Sure, sure. I mean, and there's some fun omissions. Maybe Al Harris. Was Al Harris on the team? You know, I remember Al, him being a really – Al Harris and Todd Bell were the guys that – or is it Tyrone Keys? No, it was, I think it was Al Harris because there were two guys yeah. that held out and didn't – that were on the team in 84 – held out for contracts in 85 and then were like back on the team in 86 like Todd Bell was right. one of those players right. he was an all pro, you know I, like an all pro uh, and a and got replaced player. by Dave Dewerson exactly yeah you know Dewerson was the guy that replaced him but he came back in 86 or I think he actually ended up following Buddy Ryan to Philadelphia uh in 86 but he held out and missed the entire 85 season when he was a pro bowl player the year before in 84 so um but, you know, that's what I was thinking was like maybe that's why they didn't do it because who outside of the 85 Bears would you put on the 80s all-decade list? Like is right, there yeah. anyone uh, kind of thing? You know, maybe you want to have an argument about Maury Buford versus somebody else who was the punter of the team in the 80s or something right. like that. <laughs> outside of that, I can't really think of anyone you wouldn't put on that list. But Exactly. You know, but you, you when you think about the 80s and, and you think about omissions from the list – uh, the fridge. William Perry didn't make the list. Um, yeah. We like I talk about Chris Zorich didn't make the list. Thomas Jones. That was a huge omission in a lot of people's yeah. eyes. Uh, I don't know if you follow Anthony Adams on on Twitter, but he made a hilarious video oh, about, about. I'm a big fan. <laughs> about he made a hilarious video about being upset that he didn't make the list. He went on and on. Like a like a screaming, like he's in his kitchen screaming at somebody <laughs> about eleven tackles against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I didn't make the list, you know, kind of thing. It was, it was just so funny uh, about Tremendous. that. Yeah, but I mean, there are a lot of guys that that would have made all decade teams that didn't make this this top one hundred list, and and maybe that's what they were going for the exclusivity of it, narrowing down such a rich history to the top one hundred. Uh, players and argue amongst yourselves about whether or not they um, belong there but um, you know let, let's just briefly go go over the list did you consider it to be uh, a good sign or a bad sign that the 100th player was Patrick Manley I thought it was a good sign you know I'm a big Patrick Manley fan I think he's one of the best long snappers of his generation so I think including him on the list was fitting, even though it's at number 100. Yeah. You know, I think he belonged on the list, but being a long snapper, you can only put him so high. So putting him at number 100, was, I think, was a good way to start off. You know, you know, p giving credit to somebody who never got enough credit. I mean, I think he should have gone to a few Pro Bowls, but he never was able to. So sure. it's just one of those things that the Bears wanted to make sure they gave him some proper love that he richly deserved for as long as he played. Yeah, I can imagine uh, Pearson and Pompey sitting in a room together, putting this list together, and be like, "Okay, the discussion is going to be between two and ninety-nine because we're gonna let's just agree that Patrick Manley would be one hundred because he was with us for eighteen seasons or whatever it was. He's worn right. the uniform more than any player in the history of the franchise, which is why he's on this list." And number one is Walter Payton. That is where the discussion begins and ends about who number one is. And then from right. two to ninety nine, we can argue all day and all long about who 
who should be on this list and who shouldn't and and uh, so on and so forth. So I just picture them sitting down at the table and be like, 100's manly, sweetness is number one, now let's get to work kind of thing uh, yeah, from there. Exactly. I, I can imagine how that's how the conversation uh, uh, kind of went. But um, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Lauren Cox, has the, the podcast Locked on Bears. The most interesting conversation I heard him had uh, have when he took a stab at the list was um you know like uh, like i mentioned about why the list was kind of futile in, in the first place was mixing the eras or, or in some places swapping players into each other's era to see you know who would have succeeded and and so on the most interesting one had to do with how low on the list jay cutler is um you know uh. st- statistically he's probably the best quarterback we've ever had but everybody you know mm-hmm. he's there's never one been anyone on the on the team ever even in the 100 years the team has existed that's been more divisive uh, amongst fans. Uh, you know, talk about a conversation starter. This guy, he's ranked yeah. at 85, and McMahon, I believe, yeah. is in the yeah. 50s. Jim McMahon is in 53, was 53 on, the, uh, on the list. And that was the most interesting part of the conversation that Lauren had with his guest was, you know, would you A, would you rank Jim McMahon ahead uh, of Jay Cutler and and B, thirty five spots ahead or thirty two actually fifty three to, to eighty five but thirty two spots ahead and then if you put Jim McMahon in the time of Jay Cutler um, and Jay Cutler in the time of Jim McMahon how different would the fate of those teams had been? Uh, you know I agree Jay Cutler should be on the list first of all he obviously needs to be on the list I mean the guy was a warrior. He lasted a long time. He won 51 games. He took him to an NFC championship. So he absolutely deserves to be on the list. Now, I understand why they put McMahon ahead of Cutler because he won a championship. He was highly successful in the 80s. I get that. But ranking him at 53 was actually the thing that stuck out to me. Not having Cutler at 85, that seemed like a good enough spot for me considering how underachieving he was in terms of winning in his career. But ranking McMahon that high really stuck in my craw because, as much believe me, I love Jim McMahon. Yeah. I mean, he was the quintessential Chicago quarterback. He had swagger. You know, he could. He, he was a winner. I mean, he passed well when he was healthy. But it's that last part. He, he wasn't on the field nearly enough. I mean, he also underachieved in his career. I mean, he, he never started a full season in his time with the Bears. So to rank him at number 53 uh, ahead of so many other guys, not just Cutler, but ahead of a bunch of other really great players like, you know, Julius Peppers, even though he played four years, Robbie Gold, Mike Brown. I mean, some of these other guys. And I'm just like, man, winning a championship really raises raises it up for you on this list. It's pretty brutal because, you know, you have to really take individual career into account a little more than just team success because then it just becomes a bit unfair yeah. So, you know, that was the thing that stuck out with me with McMahon. As much as he deserves to be on the list, which he does, yeah. ranking him that high just because he managed to win it, win the only Super Bowl the team has ever won, I think sort of sh- puts a little too much shade on how this list was constructed. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I agree with you on, on that. But, you know, it's like you talk about, you know, their discussion, putting Jim McMahon in the 2000s and early 2010s with, you know, with the offensive line that that the Bears had, and and Jay Jay Cutler being under attack, and and even though Jay did miss a game here and there, he wasn't missing chunks of seasons like McMahon did. Hell, McMahon missed what like four games in '85 when we did uh, win the championship. Right, yeah. He came back healthy enough to play uh, in the in the in the postseason and in the Super Bowl, and I think he had a bruised thigh or something like that going into the Super Bowl. I mean, the guy was constantly injured his shoulder injury and and um and i believe tim harris you know that busted him up single-handedly derailed the 86 chance of of repeating uh, as champions and if you put Correct. jay cutler and his toughness on that team with his skill set even even number 11 on the list dan hampton agrees the bears would have come away with they would have been the team of the 80s not the 49ers it's a it's a it's a very fair assessment. I mean, Cutler is not only bigger than McMahon was; he's he's got a stronger arm. So I think he would have fit that team perfectly because they yeah. ran the ball a lot, so they would have protected him better. 
and you have Willie Galt on the outside with his blazing speed. Color would have been perfect for him. So you look at it in that regard, it makes perfect sense. But at the same time, I also think that if you had brought McMahon forward with his keen mind and you know accurate passing in this league that doesn't demand as big quarterbacks anymore because of their specialized offensive systems, right. I actually think he would have done pretty well in this era. So it's one of those weird things where if you had switched them, they might have actually had more success in in each other's era than they did in their own eras, which is kind of weird to think about. Yeah, and the other thing that's interesting about McMahon is that uh, McMahon and Cutler are polar opposites in the fact that McMahon was the unquestioned leader uh, of that team yeah. in 85. And that was one of the other reasons why the team suffered when he wasn't there. They were essentially playing without their leader, and that is the one thing that Jay Cutler has never been accused of in his time in Chicago was you know was being a face of the franchise was being he had the benefit of Erlacher already being the face of the franchise when he came into the into the team uh, and whatnot and this was a guy that shied away from that position basically at, at any cost uh, you know even the cost of his own standing in his in his locker room and everything so I mean when we talk about like just the you know we're talking about Jake Cutler and and Jim McMahon's ability to stay healthy. Cutler would have helped us win multiple championships in the 80s, but what would Jim McMahon's leadership had effect been on the team in that in that particular you know era? Would his leadership probably even after getting hurt in the NFC Championship game and his leadership abilities could he had have been enough to help elevate us to beat Green Bay in that title game? Whereas Jay Cutler was just pretty much he checked out after he got hurt, and that's kind of where all the all the criticism comes from from him, and a lot of Bear fans never got over that. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, I personally didn't read too much into it, but I do agree that Cutler had his issues with leadership. I think he tried to be a leader. I think he made a more concerted effort as Erlacher started to phase out, you know, after he retired. Mm-hmm. I do think he made the effort, but he, he, leadership is one of those things that you just can't teach. Right. Guys are just sort of born with it, natural-born leaders, and McMahon was absolutely one of them. I mean, it was true in college. It was true from the moment he stepped on the field in Chicago when he became a Bear. I mean, he, he just had that way about him. And, you know, when when you have the courage to defy Mike Ditka in the huddle, I mean, that, that takes a certain, yeah. you know, type of swagger and courage and, you know, leadership. He, he knew that if he convinced his guys that he was in charge, not Ditka, that if he was in charge of that huddle, that they were going to win a lot of football games. And when they started to, that's how you get people to believe and, you know, you know, there was a stretch in the eighties where he was like 20 and Oh, when he started, when he was able to start and finish a game with the Bears. So that tells you how crucial he could be to their success at that period of time. So absolutely in terms of physical talent, you have to give the edge to Cutler, but what made McMahon so special and easy to remember was his leadership capacity and ability to elevate those around him without even seeming to try so hard to do it. Yeah, it's kind of what what I what I would refer to these days as the the naggy factor, uh, if you will. It's like I think you and I could both agree that going into 2018, we expected the Bears to be better. We had better talent on on offense, and we had an offensive minded coach that was going to let our young quarterback do his his thing. But I don't think anybody accounted for the effect that Nagy and his leadership abilities would have on that team last year with Club Dub, and I mean even with the the uh, what do they call it this uh, the start of OTAs the the makeup Monday or whatever it was that they did and there was the basically had the a Monday field day. yeah they had a, f- a Monday fun day yeah where they basically had field day you know where they had all kinds of silly events <laughs> and the coaches got involved and all uh, I mean talk about a team building exercise right there the guys start this this arduous task of of getting from April to to August so the season can begin and the first thing that they do is they have fun and bond as a team and things like that that's the fact that's the x factor that no one really accounted for with Matt Nagy and that was the x factor for McMahon when he was on the team or when he was on the field I should say it was a different football team that any that we were capable of of anything and when we weren't you know Steve Fuller Mike Tomzak whoever the quarterback was uh, in his stead um, there was a big drop off in that kind of thing yeah, without question. One of the one of the toughest things to do as a leader, not just as a coach, but as a player, is to keep your guys loose, you know, throughout the entire grind of a football season. I mean, 
football's tough. Yeah. Football is really, really tough. And, you know, it's from practice and training camp all the way through the season. It's a grind. And the toughest part is to keep, keep your guys motivated and fully invested. And that's one of the biggest challenges, not, not just as quarterback, but as head coach, too. And the fact that, you know, McMahon was a quarterback and Nagy was also a former quarterback. Right. So he, Nagy understood, understood from the start the leadership requirements of him because it was something he that had been ingrained in him since college when he was a quarterback. So he was already prepared for that. And the great thing about Nagy was he took obsessive notes throughout his coaching career on his rise up. I mean, he, he studied Andy Reid incessantly, you know, every, every time he got a chance in the locker room, he would study how he would talk to the players and do all the sort of that stuff. He's like, okay, what he's doing here is really effective and I've got to keep that in mind. And this is a reason that Nagy is so successful right away because he understood that he had to look at how the best ones do it, like Reed, but also be able to put his own spin on it so he doesn't lose, you know, lose control of who he is as a who he is himself. So it's always about a balance of keeping your own personality involved, but at the same time sacrificing for the good of the team. Right, and then that's why I look forward to to what the Bears have in store this year uh, and beyond. Real quick, before I let you go, um, Eric, first of all, I want to thank you for coming back on. This has been a this has been a lot of fun. What do you think it says uh, about the the list, or 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 what do you think that that Pearson and, and Pompey are saying about guys that have barely been on the team and yet made the list, like Khalil Mack coming in at at number sixty? And Eddie Jackson cracking the the list after only two seasons, in it, not just on the team but in his career, cracking the list at at ninety six. Do you think these are more like potential picks? Like check with us in ten years, and these guys are probably in different spots in the top one hundred. And you know, like we believe they are top one hundred players. They're probably going to rank higher than where we're putting them. But the impact that they've had in their short tenure means they have to be on this list. Oh, absolutely. I think that's exactly what they were going for. You know, Jackson and Mack were the two best defensive players last year, and they looked like superstars, which they are. So the, what what Pearson and Pompey were basically saying is, what you saw last year was great, but the best is still to come. And believe us when we say this, they're going to be a lot higher on this list the next time we try to make one. So, you know, I wasn't surprised that they were on the list. I, I was a little surprised that Mac was as high as he was, 60 after just one season. Yeah. But, you know, as do, as dominant as he was, you just know that as long as he continues to play here over the next five years of his contract or longer, depending on what happens. Knock on wood, brother. Yeah. You know, he's going to continue to dominate and do what he does, and he's probably going to end up in the Hall of Fame, as everyone expects. So, right. you know, while I was surprised he was that high, in a few years, I'm going to be surprised that he wasn't higher. Right. Yeah. So it's just one of those things where it's sort of a taste of things to come sort of sort of thing. Yeah, when when I saw the list and I see Eddie Jackson's name, I was like, that is really interesting. That, number one, he made the list at all uh, the, for me. Yeah, that that right. Eddie Jackson, only two years on the team, uh, would make the list. And then when I, when I saw Khalil Mack at number 60, I was like, I figured he would be on the list, but where was the real question? And then I saw him at 60, and you say it's high, and I had that, is it high or is it too low? I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, and that's exactly, where the whole, exactly the whole right. idea of Pearson and Pompey, it's like he has to be on this list. Let's put him in a spot where there can be questions because he's only got one year in the uniform, but we know or we feel that you know, five years from now, ten years from now, Khalil Mack could be a top ten, top twenty player on the all-time list uh, for this franchise. So it's like that was one of the ones that really stuck out when I saw that a that Khalil Mack was on the list. I don't think anyone was surprised by that, but to see him up there with the Julius Pepperses and Mike Browns and Robbie Golds and and things like that in the '60s was like, is that too high? Or is that way too low? You know, I just it, it was a really, yeah, exactly really good. Right. But it's also kind of a, a, a picture, you know, a photo of this time. One year on the team, this is the impact that he made, that he's ahead of 40 of the greatest players this franchise has ever had. 
Well, I mean, he he had the greatest debut of any Bears oh, acquisition in history, God. and you can't argue that. No, I mean, 12 and a half sacks in 14 games, that first game against the Packers in Green Bay, oh, a pick six, a sack, a forced fumble. I mean, the guy was a friggin' monster. <laughs> so, you know, as debuts go, that's going to be etched in the minds of Bears fans forever. Yeah, forever. Absolutely. I mean, it, it was it was that impactful. So, yeah, I was not the least bit surprised he was on the list. And, you know, being ranked as high as 60, you know, I, I felt it was a little high when I first read it, but I didn't overreact to it because that's how good he is. Yeah. So, you know, the expectation is he's going to be a lot higher before it's said and done. So having him there, I really wasn't all that upset about it. Right. And I think that we'll, uh, we'll end that there, talking about uh, what could be as far as the, the franchise and uh, Khalil Mack and the potential of the 2019 Bears. Eric, thanks so much uh, for coming back on. Where can we, uh, where can we find your work, man? Uh, at Eric Lambert one on Twitter. I'm there all the time. So feel free to talk to me whenever you want to talk some bears football. All right, Eric, uh, Eric Lambert. Thanks so much. Sportsmockery.com. Check him out. Follow him on Twitter. He puts all of his articles uh, up there so you can read all of the work that he does. Eric, thanks so much, man. A pleasure, Larry. Thanks for having me. So what'd you guys think? Should this would this have been better served with uh, ten all-decade teams as opposed to trying to narrow a hundred years of history into just one hundred players that uh, you know are are a great mixture of the um, you know and are a testament to the longevity of this franchise. You know, like I I I like the the list. I like the idea of the list but there's there's no winning with this list you know the 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 conversation we had at the end about eddie jackson and and khalil mack both you know one and two year tenures uh with the with the franchise but making the list and especially mack being number 60 whether you think that's high or or low you know a a two-year guy in eddie jackson who's just starting his career and Mac is a five-year uh, veteran, but only one in a bear uniform. But the, the the mark that they made was so indelible that they had to be uh, on this list. And and the discussion about Jay Cutler being thirty-plus paces behind McMahon uh, on the list, and 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 what have you. And in my feelings on some of the guys probably being on the list because they were, you know, and and honestly, not having much context on 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 their career and the type of players that they were just me blindly thinking that I have no idea who this is, but I see he was playing from 61 to 65. So he's getting credit for, you know, being a starting left tackle on the 63 championship team and, and so on uh, and so forth. You know, my, my memory of the Bears starts in the, in the early eighties around 83, 84, when I was a little guy, four and five years old and, and carries on uh, from there. And um, so those are the players that I have the strongest opinions about and, and, you know, would rank them ahead of just about everybody that I didn't see play aside from a very, very select few. Maybe, the you know, the Nagurskis, the Red Granges, the, you know, obviously the Butkuses and Sayers and, and so on uh, would, you know, would still make my list just because they're legendary players, they're Hall of Famers, and, and uh, there's plenty of tape on what those guys did in their careers and it's a consensus that they were great players but there were a lot of guys that on that list that I even I was surprised I didn't know their names I didn't know who they were I would have to do research to dig in and find out who so and so was um but it was a lot of fun uh, having that conversation and, and having the idea kind of play itself out in the conversation with uh Eric and um you know he's been a great guest the two times that we had him on look forward to having him on uh again uh in the future and just before I let you go, I do want to throw in some news and notes before uh, before we take off. And uh, it's it's just some quick news about the OTAs. Our beloved started uh, OTAs this past week on uh, Tuesday, and uh, famously on 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 Monday they had um, instead of you know you heard you mentioned during the conversation with with Eric the the Monday Fun Day where they essentially had like a field day type of. Uh, event where they broke the roster up into teams and these guys had to do different uh tasks events uh you know gags whatever you want to call it 
uh, somebody trying to run from the length of the field or the width of the field holding the end of a baseball bat in the palm of his hand. you got to get over to the other side before the bat tips over, uh, that kind of thing. Non-quarterbacks trying to throw who can throw the farthest and, and knocking cones off of a tackling dummy and, and things like that. There's a video on, on ChicagoBears.com if you want to check out kind of the highlights of the competition, if you will. Uh, a lot of fun there. But uh, on Tuesday when, when the practices uh, began, there was some, uh, some position changes for a handful of guys. Uh, the first one, or the most notable one, I would say, well, actually, that could be, that's an argument. But uh, for me, in my opinion, as an old offensive lineman, uh, hearing that James Daniels and Cody Whitehair are switching positions. Uh, James Daniels, who was a center throughout his career at the University of Iowa and played his rookie season with the Bears last year at left guard. Cody Whitehair, who was a guard and a tackle in college, who's been the Bears' center since drafted in 2016, now moves to left guard. So for the first time in either of these guys' careers, uh, you know they're not playing out of position uh, in the pros. So James Daniels going back to his natural spot at center and uh, Cody Whitehair going back to playing uh, left guard. I am very, very excited and anxious to see how this plays out on the offensive line uh, this year. I mean, Cody Whitehair, a fantastic center, a Pro Bowl center, uh, quite frankly, but uh, I think he's a lot more comfortable as an interior lineman than he was at the center position. It's just a testament to him that how well he took to it despite his struggles with, with, with shotgun snaps and, and things like that, uh, I think this is the best move possible. Uh, James Daniels is not a wet-behind-the-ears rookie anymore, and now he can come back and take charge of that offensive line and play his uh, natural uh, position. And, and Cody Whitehair was a stud uh, in college at the left guard position. He was a tackle his senior year uh, at Kansas State. Looking forward to see what he can do uh, as our new starting uh, left guard. So very excited to see how that will unfold now that we have an offensive line that isn't trying to learn and play a position that they're not you know, uh, ready for, that they haven't played for uh, in, the, uh, in the past. And then the other ones, I think maybe these are more notable just because of the actual changes themselves and, and, what, they're, and what they could mean. But uh, Taquan Mazel and Bradley Soule uh, playing new positions now, uh, Taquan Mazel, who is uh, in, in a crowded running back room with the addition of David Montgomery uh, and Mike Davis uh, in the running back position, along with uh, Tariq Cohen, uh, you know, it, it was getting crowded in that running back room. And we also drafted um, uh, Kareth White out of uh, a Florida. Is it Florida Atlantic? Yeah, Florida Atlantic, I believe. Or is it Florida? No, it's Florida Atlantic. Um you know, so there were the five, six guys already. Taquan Mazel, the you know the uh, the odd man out, is now a wide receiver, uh, wearing number eleven uh, in OTA practices now. And my man Bradley Soul, remember Week Seventeen against the Vikings? How I just could not get over the fact that Soul was uh, was playing some fullback and actually ran a true blue seam route right down the middle of the field. Number seventy nine just lumbering down the middle of the field running a legit pattern after a play fake. Well, the the Bears have taken it to heart, and Bradley Soul is now sporting number 85. He's a tight end now. That is awesome. I can't wait to see what happens there. I mean, it. Um, he may play, you know, for H-back or fullback more than anything, you know, just kind of be a that uh, battering ram coming out of the, uh, the backfield. I also think that maybe it says a lot about A, the uh, undrafted rookie free agents that we signed uh, and um, where Rashad Coward is in his development after making the switch from defensive line to offensive line uh, a year ago. Anybody who watched the, the who followed what Rashad was doing during the preseason um, noticed that he was playing well. He was making progress. Uh, he made the roster as an offensive tackle. He was inactive, I think, for every game. Uh, last year but nonetheless I think that maybe another offseason under the under the wing of, of Harry Heaston our offensive line coach 
I think that the, you know this could be the other message that sends that Rashad Coward is um, has advanced from year one to year two in his new position, so that the Bears feel comfortable about making Coward our swing tackle. So Bradley Soul could uh, move on into this new position that can help us out on on offense. You know, with Bradley Soul famously scoring the one touchdown uh, in the game, the Santa Slay play against the uh, the the L.A. Rams on Sunday night football that made such a big, uh, big splash. And, um, you know, like I said, I couldn't stop talking about Bradley soul running that seam route against the Vikings in week 17. Just so much fun watching that big beast of a man run down the middle of the field. Like he had every intention of catching the ball when he turned his head to look at the quarterback. So I thought that was so great. So it's very interesting to see. And, and I posted on Twitter when I saw that position change, you know, while, while it's positive to think, that it, it says a lot the you know about the 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 new offensive lineman that we signed in undrafted free agency uh it possibly says you know what i was saying uh, or you know hypothesizing about uh, where Rashad Coward is in his development does it also kind of condemn what we have or don't have in the tight end room right now is adam shaheen still not where the bears uh want him to be is the drop-off after Trey Burden as steep as we think it may be? Because I don't really recall Ben Broniker being much of an offensive pass-catching weapon. Like maybe he's being brought back more for his special teams and, and blocking abilities than I can think of him catching uh, the football. So are we adding Bradley Soul uh, to the tight end room to kind of, you know, it, it's more than just a debt move, I think. I mean, is it a, a condemnation of what, what we've got going on in the tight end room right now while also you know is is it the the you know the devil that serves two masters kind of thing is it that it's it's um you know a praise of the offensive line and where they are with our personnel or where we think we are and and is it also you know to be to look down on the tight end room and and where we're not in that position group at the moment so interesting uh theory to to think about but exciting nonetheless and very interested to see what Bradley Soul uh, will do and what he'll bring to the table uh, as a now rostered tight end on the field. And one other interesting, um, maybe not so much of a change, but he's taken reps at a new position. Sherrick McManus, who was um, you know famously a hero last year for how he was able to step in to the void of uh, that um, Bryce Callahan left behind when he broke his foot uh, against the Rams uh, in the Sunday night game. Uh, last year and uh, uh, unfortunately was also the victim of the Golden Tate touchdown catch that won the game for for Philly uh, in the wild card game has been taking reps at safety so adding some depth uh, to that safety position and, and and seeing what he can do there because we we signed um, Buster Scrine drafted Duke Shelley and uh and, and Shepard the, the the other seventh round pick that maybe we've got it covered at the nickel corner spots obviously he can still provide depth there but also maybe getting him some reps at the safety position just because maybe it's a little shallow behind uh Clinton Dix and uh, Eddie Jackson and uh, uh Bush uh that we have back Dion Bush that we have back there uh as well so three guys five guys actually in total with with Daniels and uh, Cody Whitehair all playing uh, new positions and seeing how they fit uh, into what will become the 2019 uh, Chicago Bears. So um, that's all the news and notes that I have, and I believe that is going to do it for this episode. Uh, please give me your feedback on my idea for an all-decades team. Maybe I'll take some time and maybe throw try to throw something uh, together. I can honestly say that I probably won't touch the you know like the 70s and behind just because i can't really say for sure uh you know what those rosters should be and uh but i'm pretty sure i can dive in on the 80s and 90s and the 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 the, the, the aughts and the tens if you will if you guys are interested in that maybe i'll post something uh on twitter just who i think those all decade teams uh might be i think it'd be a fun discussion maybe do something like that so maybe i will now that i'm thinking about it because i had nothing but time on my hands so We'll see. Let me guys. Let me know if you guys are interested in seeing me do something like that, and maybe I'll throw something together uh, for you. So, but uh, that is going to do it for the top 100 list. Come back next week on Wednesday. Wednesday we'll be we will be releasing. We'll be heading down that road that is 
the opponent preview episode starting with the Los Angeles, excuse me, no, starting with the Saints. We're starting off with the New Orleans Saints and um, talking about, you know, I think there was something interesting that happened in the NFC Championship game. I don't know if you guys heard about it or, you know, I don't know if it was a big deal or if it changed the rule book or anything like that, but uh, my guest and I will we'll talk about it. It's uh, It should be interesting, especially since uh, he is on the shunned, the, the, the affected side uh, of that call and uh, everything else that the 2019 Saints have to offer. And will they have something to say about how the NFC, how the NFC in total, I should say, unfolds in 2019 so come back for that then shortly thereafter we will have the other half of that equation the other first place team the los angeles rams uh to finish off the same place teams before we move on to the afc west nfc east and finish up with the nfc north the ball is about to get rolling the vast wasteland of the nfl offseason between the draft and training camp is going to be over before you know it that's one of the main reasons why i do these opponent preview shows it helps me get through this arduous time of year where literally nothing happens and um yeah it'll be over before we know it and uh before we're done lauren cox will join us to to preview the 2019 bears and then we'll be at training camp and the preseason and the 2019 regular season with the bears stomping a mud hole in the ass of the green bay packers on thursday night to kick off the 100th year bears football and nfl football it'll all be here before you know it so anyway come back next week on wednesday for the uh, opponent preview the new orleans saints and the ball will be rolling until then my name is larry d and this has been the bears talk underground Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? more confident, capable surgeons, and even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.